Hello everybody and welcome to this game where with me, Ashley. And me, Chris. Hello everyone. Hope you're okay. Hello. Hope you're okay, Ashley. Well, Yay. I can see you're okay. You're right next In to the me. room. In the room. In the room context. Yep. Good boy. Oh. Hey. Um, Chocolate? Yeah, I mean, hey. I don't really... Don't don't wrinkle things in the microphone, Christopher. It's big, big you try and thing teach of you how to do things, and you just all goes in one ear or out the other, doesn't it? People might like to know we're eating chocolate. We have got some chocolate. Yeah, that's it. That's the end. That's it. That's the end of our banter. <laughs> Haven't really got much to share. Um, Zelda. Been playing Zelda lately. Right. It's been good. <laughs> you had a really manic look on your face. <laughs> Did you get scared? Yeah. Why? Zelda. I've been playing Zelda. <laughs> No, I don't. I you don't want to talk about Zelda, then you just want to yeah pick on me. I can I, I've not played it much this week. No, neither so. have I actually. There you go. That's the end. <laughs> Flipping heck! <laughs> I just meant in general this week. Oh. You know, like not this week, just in general this this sort of time period. We're in between the release of Zelda and the release of Pikmin. If you chart your year by the release of Nintendo games, which it seems you do, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But, I mean, it's Steam Summer Sale. You got your eye on anything? Nope. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Have you? I'll tell you what. I'm just going to tell you about a game. All right. We, this week, are going to be playing a game. Surprise, surprise. Yep, yep, good. And Sorry. it is uh, this game where a 10-inch tall robot cleans up after a family who are dealing with their own problems. Roma Robot the game. Roma Robot the mm. game. What's Roma Robot? The little ones that trundle around cleaning. Roomba. Yeah, Roomba. Oh, you are such a terrible middle class person. My little brother's I, got one. He's been to a new house and he's got one. Of course your brother's got one. And he's, uh, he sent me a video on Friday night of it trundling around cleaning up. He's absolutely fascinated by it. And Roomba. I found you can buy little costumes or, or and eyes for them to put on. Mm. So that's his Christmas present sorted. Lucky him. Yeah. Lucky him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, it's not, strangely enough. It's Chibi Robo. Oh. Do you know Chibi Robo? N64? No, GameCube. GameCube. No, I don't. Okay. Or do I? I think it's one of these games. I think I think when I got games magazines back in the early 2000s, this is a title. Mid-2000s even. Mid-2000s, yeah. I think this is something I remember reading about, and I think if we play it, I'll be reminded of it, but I'd, I've never played it. Right, okay. Well, Chibi Robo is a game that's similar to Billy Hatcher, if you've ever heard of Billy Hatcher. So Billy ha- same sort of thing. I... Read about that, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, is it? Or yeah, Chibi? yeah, something like that. And that was a, a, the Sonic team, wasn't it? Yes. And that was, again, people in raved the magazine, about people raving about it, me thinking, oh, that was cool. But uh, And nobody was buying it. No. Similar to Chibi Robo. Chi- I, I remember Chibi Robo being on the shelf in Game Station, or just always being on the shelf, and, and Billy Hatcher on the same shelf. And there was always copies there, and they never seemed to get bought but they were always there the unloved shelf yeah um and now each of those games is worth between 200 and 300 pounds each if you buy them second hand blimey i never bought them wow (laughs) i wish i had they were they were always on my list and then um never got around to it and one of the reasons that i never got around to it was because chibi robo released in 2005 let's move that there so we can still see the the sound yeah yeah okay Chibi Robo released in 2005, and I went off to university in 2006. So even though I had my eye on it in Grimsby, um, I then left Grimsby and, and kind of forgot about um, 
that game station and all that, and it wasn't quite the same. Then the Wii came out, and uh, you know, all of my attention went over to that. But if I'd bought them, I'd have been quids in. So how did you play this game then? I've played it later. Oh. I've played it later on. So I didn't buy it in the original uh, instance, but I um, ma- I managed to get my hands on it later. Right, I see. Um, and I'm glad that I did because it is actually, as everybody was saying at the time, very, very good. It is very, very good. Yeah? Yes. What sort of game is it? It's a, it's a little, I'd call it. So this is the other thing, and we'll come back to this later on. It, it's a cozy game, and cozy is a, like a, a descriptor for games. Is one that sort of kicked off in the last three or four years, and Chibi Robo in two thousand and five was, uh, as far as I think, uh, as far as I can can see, it was a cozy game. You are this little robot. He's ten inches tall. He's metallic and he looks really, really wonderful. Um, and you run around a house doing housework. So you you might they the the family that you work for they're called the Sandersons and the Sandersons have bought this robot so to to sort of take a, lo- a load off their shoulders, and um, they've got a dog or a cat I can't remember exactly what um, but it, it leaves its paw prints around. Okay. So if you can find yourself a, a toothbrush whenever you come across <laughs> a a paw print you can get your toothbrush out and you uh, you rub the to- the paw print away. You'll find. Um, like pieces of paper. Maybe they've had a, a suite that was wrapped up and you find a piece of paper. You can pick it up, pop it in your head, take it to a bin and then throw it in the bin. Alongside that, you also have coins to collect and the coins can then be used to buy yourself various different upgrades that will then help you to do your job better. Standard. So that's the that's the gist of, of what you're doing as the robot. Oh, the other thing to, to note is because you are an appliance, you have to plug yourself in every so often. So you'll have a certain amount of energy each yep. night um, and you can go to any outlet and you can pop your plug in the outlet and get juiced mm-hmm. back up. Um, on top of that, though, there are other stories going on that involve the family. The so the sense. family have their own life. And, and as Chibi Robo, you vicariously take in what's going on. One example is that the dad has lost his job. Oh. So you get this actually quite um, grown-up look at what that does to you. Right. Um, I can't remember how deep it goes, but it is like it's more than you'd expect. I think one of the problems that Chibi Robo had is that it appealed on the surface to children but actually what it delivered wasn't necessarily wholly tailored towards those children. But is it one where those sort of themes and messages are maybe a bit too abstract for children to perhaps understand? Possibly. Right. At the same time, the gameplay is really just just fun and, and it's the sort of thing that you can relax into, hence the reason that I think that it fits very squarely in that cosy game yeah. genre that is it has a, popped up. Is it a 3D platformer then? It's kind of a 3D platformer, yeah, but you're not... I mean, I was going to say you're not really challenged with it, but there are some elements where you have to traverse the, the 3D space in some reasonably challenging ways. So more like a 3D exploring type I'd say game more then. that, yeah, which puts okay. it kind of squarely again in your kind of yeah, arena. Yeah, it does. So one of the reasons that I wanted to share it with you. Um, just to go back a little bit, the uh, the game was released in 2005. It was created by a team, uh, a, a studio called Skip, and, and published, I think, by Bandai Namco or Bandai or Namco. 
I can't remember which version existed at that point, but Bandai or Namco or Bandai Namco. One of those two. One of those three. Um, the game was actually put on hold developmentally. Like it, they stopped development on it because they weren't sure that it was going to be commercially viable. Oh. <laughs> um, one okay. of the reasons that this game ended up coming out was because Miyamoto got wind of it, went and had a look and went, no, you should release this. Oh, this nice. is great. And and Nintendo actually, I think they did some of the publishing. I don't know whether it was worldwide, but they certainly had a hand in publishing this. And they had a hand, as you can, as you just heard, in making sure that it even existed. Mm. So um, that that's quite an interesting little... Um, insight into why this game exists and chibi is the that japanese art style isn't it the cutesy yeah so it's a cute robot and is it does that extend to the family as well or yeah the daughter is um convinced that she's a frog and she wears a frog she wears a frog um hat all of the time that's like the uh, the daughter in bob's burgers wearing the rabbit hat yeah i suppose it is a little bit yeah which is really nice have you seen the bob's burgers movie i have very good. And I enjoy Bob's Burgers. It's yeah. not one that I've um, I've followed greatly, but exactly the I, same. when I dip in and out. Precisely. Whenever I watch an episode, I always think, oh, this is really good, but I never actively seek it out. No. But the Bob's Burgers movie is lovely. Yeah, I agree. I think that there is an element of coziness to that as well. Mm. So, yeah, I get that. The game is split. Well, it's not really split. The gameplay, when you are actually in control of Chibi Robo, you do all of that at night time. Because the idea, as as I've intimated towards, is that this is a robot, this is an appliance that they've bought to to do a lot of the jobs around the house. It also brings in some elements of other children's um, fare. I'm 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 trying to work up towards saying there's an element of Toy Story to this because the the young daughter's toys they will come to life and oh, they are okay. a number of the characters are are the girls' toys. Right. Um. There's like this superhero doll that she's got that comes to life and is quite bombastic and tasks you with different quests and things. That's one of the ways that you engage with the world. These these toys and these different entities will give you quests. Mm. I also remember like a caterpillar doll that acts as a barrier. So you, you're in their house and you the jobs that you do are, are around the house and there are different gateways to get into different rooms. And I think to get into the kitchen, you have to do something for this caterpillar doll. But I... I seem to think that the caterpillar doll came off as quite creepy when um, when <laughs> right. I was playing it. Um, and then you get into the garden and the world sort of opens up um, room by room or space by space. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that, the yeah. way that that was. Um, the other thing that it reminds me of is Katamari Damacy. Okay. So Kat- you know Katamari yes. Damacy. Yeah, so Katamari Damacy has a similar thing where you you're gated off by the size of your Katamari. So yeah. the bigger the Katamari gets, the further you can venture out into the to the sandbox. Interestingly as well, I actually think that the the uh, art style is very similar okay. to Katamari Damacy. Like I, I think that there's a a degree not not wholly, there's there's a lot more abstraction in Katamari Damacy, but certainly the notion that the way things are represented has something in common between the two games. And on top of that, they both were released in 2005, and they were also um, Katamari Damacy's Namco. Okay. So they've got quite a lot of genetics in mm. in, uh, in common. Katamari Damacy, interesting, uh, uh, just to say, is one of my favourite games. So I know that you're not convinced, but you've only played the remasters. Yeah. 
I like yeah. I like the sound of this. Though. I like the I see the family are quite realistic the way they're designed and portrayed. Sort and... of. They they're sort of. Um, I'd say they're more sort of anime style art art style. Okay. Um, of a, of a particular breed. Uh, yeah, like a. I can't remember if it's called Meet the Meet the Yamadas, but there's there's like a big eyed, um, quite chunky, um, aesthetic that you sometimes get in certain animes that this leans into astro boy sort of style more than astro boy yeah it's it's more homely okay but you've got the, the points i'm making you've got that's kind of realistic and that they're portrayed as being human mm. and they've got their human foibles and problems like you said they're mm. dealing with you've then got that slice of life yeah slice mm. of life you then got that countered with the stuff at night where you've got the whimsy and the toys coming to life and you're mm. doing jobs for the toys and you're doing jobs around jobs the house for the toys that's... jobs yeah i like that yeah and I like the those two kind of those two worlds colliding together, but physically within the same realm. I think that's quite an interesting style. Yeah, me approach. too. Mm. Yeah, it's a short. It's a short first half. It is. Um, but I think we should play it. Yeah. Go on then, Chris. Tell me how you feel. I feel. How do you feel? What, myself? After like, that. Like no, I don't want to know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, really good. That was lovely. What a lovely little game. You like it? Yeah, I really did. I, I, your description of it being a cosy game is absolutely perfect. I have a very nice, warm, fuzzy feeling after having played that. Yeah, and we're going to come back to this, but it really... I don't understand why it hasn't been remastered or remade or just made available to the current audience because it's so... To, like in 2005, maybe it didn't capture the zeitgeist, but it captured the zeitgeist of 2023 for sure. Like, <laughs> or, or 2020. Ahead of its time to some degree, maybe. So is it? it's not available anywhere at all? It's not, no. Hmm. It's not available. So, um, yeah. What did you like about it then? You, you like the warmness of it? I like the the openness of it. So you've got mm. you've got the house you're in, off you go. And initially I started doing a bit of cleaning, popping some rubbish into the top of him as, as a waste bin, and then finding a waste paper, waste paper basket, popping it in into there to dispose of it. And your reward is you've got happy points. So the things you do reward with happy points, which can then be exchanged for uh, different things within the, the shop in the game. Then well, all, uh, that's it. Let me or is just, that money? Yeah, so you right. get money and happy points. Yeah, the, the, the money currencies. can be used to buy upgrades and one of them is like a, a timer so you you have five minutes per day and night at first and then you can upgrade that 15 up to 15 minutes per day and night the happy points they are used to this to figure out where in the scheme of other chibi robos you sit so that was you, you're in this big ranking system and then i think you start off at a mil the, the million yeah and very quickly climb up the ranks of different chibi robos and how well each chibi robo is doing that's one way that the, the game measures or or rewards you depending on how, how you look at it yeah 
And it, it's that constant feedback loop of you're doing something or you've been rewarded with happy points, but also money. You've done this thing, you've got happy points and money. And that sort of extends through. And I like the gameplay of you doing stuff to earn stuff in order to upgrade to make the doing stuff easier or better or quicker, or yep. that you've got more opportunity to do it. For example, you said about the extending the day or night from five minutes to 15 minutes. So you've then got more more bites at the cherry. I think the whole the whole gameplay, the whole package is really well done. Yeah, it's it's bite-sizing every little aspect of of the things that you're doing. So let's say you're um you get the toothbrush and you're going around and you're tidying up messes that have been left by a dog or um a human. And in other games you might find that you have to do a, a big old mess and it takes you 30. If you compare it to Power Wash Simulator, Power Wash Simulator, you get this whole mess that you have to clean up. Whereas here, and and you do get some satisfaction from from mm. in Power Wash Simulator finishing a section and it flashes up and says you've done that bit. Yeah. Um, here you get satisfaction every five seconds from cleaning up one paw print. It gives you two happy points yeah. or something like that, and and it's metered out in that in those tiny tiny ways. It's metered out really well so that so that every single little thing little thing that you do gives you a reward and it gives you that tiny gives you that tiny little buzz. Yeah. And some lovely music with that as well to sort of tie into that the the loveliness of it yeah. as well. You said while you were playing about the meticulousness of it and I think that the reason there's two different ways of looking at the word meticulous. One is this power wash simulator one where you've got this whole big old mess and you're taking it down in a very strategic um methodical way and and being meticulous about it getting every little inch of it. The other way of thinking about it is that there's, this isn't necessarily asking you to um, inch by inch crawl along any of its spaces. But what it is doing is giving you the feel of you being meticulous because you keep finding these little things that you can work on, like a, a paw print or, or a splush yeah. on the wall or a piece of a piece of paper that's hidden behind a cushion or something like that. Like you're not necessarily having to be meticulous but it's giving you the sense that you are being meticulous nonetheless, which yeah. I think is pretty genius, to mm. be honest. And the map as well works towards that. So you've got a map that you activate, and it's a 3D top-down, pseudo-3D, top-down view of, of the room you're in, and it will show you points of interest and things that flash that are still to be cleaned up. And there's all the, the these weird little chambers you go into that are almost like a, a bonus area, and it shows you all that. So if you're not quite sure what to do next, you can open that up, and it it shows you that overview. You also got you can access a a first person view where it will show you points of interest. So at any point in the game, it gives you a handholding, I guess, as to where you might want to go to next if you're interested, if you're struggling a bit. I don't see why you would be struggling, but I like those concessions they've made. I wouldn't necessarily call it hand-holding either. While you were playing that and you brought up the map and you'd, and you'd used the goggles, the visor thing, I wrote down that the map is a clarifying tool. Yeah, that's probably and a better way to phrase yeah, it. A, a, lot of games, a lot of games obfuscate and obscure and they use that as a way to create challenge. But I think Chibi-Robo, all of the tools that you get given are clarifying. They help you to navigate in a clear way rather than having to fumble your way through and um I, I really like that about the game design there's no confounding the player it's all yes. it's all aiding the player it doesn't go so far as to handhold i don't think and i don't I, I think one of the reasons is there's nothing challenging enough in the game to need you to have your handheld so 
Um, I, but but far be it from that being a, a downside. I actually think that's to its credit, and it's mm. one of the things that we. I don't know if we talked about it on the first half, but it's one of the things that puts it squarely for me in that cozy game category. It's it's one of the coziest games that I've ever played. I yeah. think. Yeah, because none of the challenges are very challenging, are they? The, the, no. So there's a, a puzzle fairly early on where you see there's a, a patio door that's got a, a small bit of broken glass and there's a, a teddy sticker over the top. So there's some comments about how if you get a blaster, you can use that to fire at the broken glass and get through to the backyard beyond. So, okay, so you log that in, right. Once I get a blaster, I can do that. And that's about as challenging as the puzzles get, really. Yeah. But... That also ties into another thing I really like about well, the game. Well, the, the caveat is, neither of us, you haven't played a, a huge amount of it. And I'll be honest, I haven't played a huge amount of it. This game, actually, if you want to finish it, it's about 15 hours long. Is it really? And if you want to wow. if you want to do the 100% of it, this is how long to beat times. Right. Um, so these are all averages yeah. of, of different players. But a completionist time is about 21 to 22 hours. Wow. So there's a heck of a lot more game to see yeah. compared to where we've seen to i really didn't i thought this would be a four or five hour tops mm. game based on what i saw wow okay that's, that's quite impress- mm. impressive it makes me wonder because uh, i i full full disclosure i haven't got that far into it i've done more stuff in the spaces that chris has been in chris managed to open the kitchen the living room and the, and the garden and i've been into those three spaces i've done more stuff in those spaces yeah. than chris has but i've not actually gone further than the garden so, you know, there's a lot for both of us to find. I would in assume this game. there's a, an upstairs as well, and families all yeah. their individual bedrooms, all that jazz. Yeah, and one of the things that I think that both of us have missed out so far on is the opening up of the stories for the for the humans. Yeah. There were some nods to that, like the, when, when you spoke to the dad, the dad, one of the first things that the dad tells you is that he has been uh, kicked out of bed. Yeah. Like he, he, he's, <laughs> he's currently sleeping on the sofa each night. And we know, I know, that the one of the things is that the mum is a little bit bothered by his um, sort of layaboutery or whatever. Yes. He's, he, I, I feel far too sort of akin to him. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, really, because I, I think that the mum has a very traditional, um, conservative approach to, to life and the way that people are supposed to be and supposed to act. And the dad doesn't necessarily have that. And they're a bit of an odd couple in that sense. Um I'd, I'd love to explore it more, and I will be exploring it more. I, I think that I'm going to use this, hopefully, as a catalyst to to play the mm. game more. Having said that, Zelda and Pikmin uh, <laughs> are following very closely on, on each other's footsteps. So where I'm going to find the time, and that's always been my problem, just sort of being able to prioritise this game has never actually happened. I did think on that note, actually, before I leave, about what I wanted to say. The, the idea of the dad opening up to this little 10-inch robot about his problems so, was quite morose i i think it's it's sad in such a oh it's it's so hurt hurty hurty yeah it really hurts to watch him do that because the the dad is clearly struggling himself with things he's not necessarily getting the support from his partner that he needs and he the only outlet that he has is to talk to this robot that he's bought for his daughter's birthday on the pretense that it's for his daughter, there's this cute little robot, but actually that his, his wife um, calls him out and says, this is a present for you, isn't it? <laughs> You've bought your daughter a present for you. And and that feels bad. Like, it feels like he shouldn't have done that. But then at the same time, you get this moment where he 
like Chris says, opens up to this robot. And it's like, well, did he actually buy it? Because it's like this weird techno- technology that he's he's kind of interested in in a hobbyist way. Or did he buy it because he needs a friend? Oh, God. I didn't even thought of that. Yes. Um, it's an interesting game. And Chibi Robo, like, if you put Chibi Robo in front of somebody, I don't think that people would give it that kind of credit of having that that level of density. No. To it. And certainly that that paired with the actual game and the gameplay itself and the style of it, that that level of depth is certainly something that I'm quite surprised actually has got. Yeah. Yeah. Positively so. Oh, yeah. very much, yes. Yeah, so the, the gameplay, the thing that I liked about that was how you've got this fairly small space to work in the, the living room. It wasn't particularly overwhelming, but there's lots of things you can see. We talked about this with platforms before. Oh, there's something up there. I can't figure out quite how to get to it yet. But the game structures how you unlock different things to ages do things in a very linear way so while it is fairly open it's your the, the progress through that is, is very linear and i think that's to a positive as well because it doesn't overwhelm you yeah there's definitely a linearity to it but the linearity is an interesting form of linearity because it it guides you to say open the kitchen fairly early on and then it tells you very clearly how to open the garden but as soon as you've opened those spaces, they just become a new place for you yeah. to explore. And actually, the exploration is completely left to you. You're not you're not told to go here, there, here or there. You just go where you want to go. And there might be these things that um, act as siren songs, like those doors are always intriguing to me. I still don't know that when you actually go in those doors, they're, they're called chibi doors. When you go in them, you're in this weird gray space where all of all of these chibi robo eyes are floating around in this gray space, and there's just, there's coins in them. It's a weird lim- liminal space that I still don't understand. It's accessed via doors that are in, built into the wall of their house. Mm. So what? Why have they appeared? As yeah, well? it's it's a very it's a very strange thing. It's a very strange mystery that I haven't uncovered yet. Um, yeah. So the linearity. Yes, it's it's linear but at the same time it's very open and that's a, a weird mix that they managed strangely enough to they managed to create an openly linear game and and do those two things ju- well alongside each other mm. you know yeah mm. the game operates a day night cycle each space has different things going on depending whether it's the day or the night. Yep. And and these are only very minor things, but it's something that I enjoy. But I'm I'm finding out that I enjoy that more and more. <laughs> like the notion of revisiting a place. We talked about it in Tears of the Kingdom, the notion of revisiting a place I, I've been before but with, with changes. Well, that's here in a very minor key, not in a very minor key, in a very minor way as well. So even just the notion that the dad's asleep one more yes. uh, in the nighttime and awake in the daytime and different things are, are happening in those spaces. I really like that. Yeah. Like the girl during the day, she was uh, sat doodling on, on a little pad. So I went over to chat to her and had a conversation with her, got some hearts from her for that, gave her a frog ring I'd found because of her really enjoying her frog hats. And yeah, just some nice little touches like that. Hmm. The last thing that I can think I want to talk about, there might be other things that you'd like to touch on, but um, the soundscape, the, the, sound, mm. the, the sound design, I really love it. I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's very deftly done. You uh, To start off with, the day-night cycle comes into this. In the daytime, you have music playing. There's a, there's a soundtrack playing in the background. Whereas in the nighttime, it's silent or largely silent. And only, the only noises that you hear, certainly when you're inside, the only noises that you hear are the ones that you make yourself. And I think that that's a really cool way of differentiating audio-wise between day and yes. night. 
because day is noisy yeah. and night is quieter. Simple. Generally, yeah. Um, the other thing that I really love and the thing that I think pushes it again towards this coziness, this cozy game place, um, the sounds that you do make are that that soundscape, the soundscape of Chibi Robo himself is really, um, I, I don't know how to describe it, but so- soft. Yes. It's a strange one. Your footfall makes a sound, but the sound that it makes is different depending on whether you're walking on a hard surface or a, like like some tiles or a soft surface like a carpet. And moving between the two is a seamless transition. You might make a slightly higher plinky plinky sound exactly. when you're working walking on the tiles. And that might be, re- I think it's represented by a string instrument. Um, a pixicato is when you pick strings. Um, that might be represented by a string instrument. And then when you walk onto the carpet, you get a slightly softer, yes. mellowed out sound. And um, I I really like that. And it's, th- it's it's all over the place in this game. So going outside and walking on the concrete, uh, concrete floor is a different sound again. Um, and you get that all over the place, depending on what you're interacting with. There is just a plethora of sounds. Um, on top of that, there is there's sounds that are associated with different activities as well. So, like the the chibi copter, which yeah. we haven't mentioned, but you have a chibi copter um, helicopter thing that comes out of your head, helps you to traverse gaps. Like Inspector Gadget, exactly. Uh, the noise that it makes is is it's the chibi copter sound, but it's also sort of quite a soft, warm sound too. And then when you're cleaning up with a toothbrush if you're cleaning up a mess on the floor with a toothbrush you you would maybe expect it to make a like a sound what you actually get is this really lovely mellow guitar music Mm. and it's clearly designed to woo you into comfort and um serenity so and that makes a lot of sense in in cozy game terms yes you are you are doing this repetitive action. You're doing this thing that traditionally I don't think people want to do, which is cleaning up. And the game, instead of making it onerous and horrible, tries to lull you kind of into that cozy mm-hmm. space. And I think actually in general, the notion of, of cleaning up, it's it. I have just said it, like certainly for me, cleaning's one of the my least favorite tasks. But if you give me a, a mop and bucket in a game, <laughs> I'm I'm actually kind of more into it. Um, I don't know necessarily why that is, but it did occur to me while you were playing and I was watching you play that there's a possibility that it's because they take these onerous tasks, these tasks that are actually quite a pain in the arse in a variety of different ways, and they strip out the pain in the arsery and they make them simple and straightforward Express and easy. It yeah, it. <laughs> they make it easy to achieve. Yeah. And um, I think maybe there's something to be said about that. They take, yeah, something that you have negative feelings towards in the real world. They they actually turn them into something that's slightly more positive. So, yeah, I hadn't realized that mm. until today. So that was a good revelation. Yeah. So overall, thumbs up. Two thumbs up, definitely. Yeah, Two really, really good. great game. Just a Brilliant. shame it's not available. It is not available. So that brings us round to our wrappy uppy bit. Okay. Um, because, yeah, it's not available. Chibi Robo was made by Skip, and Skip followed it up with two sequels. One was called Park Patrol, made in 2007, so two years after. came out on the DS. Um, it's supposed to be okay. It was then followed up two years later by a second DS game, and that was a fully-fledged sequel, sequel in a way that Park Patrol wasn't. And you, Park Patrol, you are a different robot who's working in a park. 
Okay. And that also released in the US. I don't think it released here. Right. It released in Japan and the US. Uh, the sequel, the fully-fledged sequel that released it on the DS in 2009, that was released only in Japan. And it's because at that point, Skip and Bandai had decided that actually there wasn't enough interest in the in the West. Huh. It released only in Japan, and apparently it's sensational. Like, it's it's the very best Chibi Robo game, and what, just an amazing game in itself. It follows Jenny, the daughter. Okay. She's grown up. She's grown up. She's got a house of her own. She's got a daughter of her own. She's still got and a frog she, hat on. I don't, I don't know, because oh. I've never played it, because it's Japan Japan-only game. She's got a daughter of her own, and you are a chibi robo who she buys, presumably for nostalgic reasons, which keys yeah, into some yeah. of the themes that we were already hitting on in our time with the game. Um, and you you go about your day as a chibi robo in the same way, but it's on the DS, so you get some of the DS mm. functionality. Blows um, the microphone. Exactly, yeah. some stuff like that. Maybe what wiping things up on the floor with your finger rather Classic. than I don't know. So yeah, it was only released in Japan for the reasons I've said. It has had a fan translation. Okay. So fans have translated it, and you can, if you know how to do such things, you can get it, and you can apply the fan translation, and you can play it. In a, and the fan translation is supposed to be very good. But it's never been released outside of Japan officially. It was followed, that was then followed up by a game that is much maligned. You might have heard of it, but it's called Chibi Robo Ziplash on the 3DS. Nope. So Chibi Robo Ziplash is a game that came out in the... It, across, around the world like it was a full a full release everywhere and it was skip's attempt to reinvigorate interest in the west and the way that they did that is instead of embrace the things that chibi robo does and that make it unique they they looked to other games and tried to um, embrace the things that make it appeal to people in the west and what you ended up with was a 2d side scrolling platformer game where you use your your uh, plug to whip yourself across the stage in various different ways. Like grabbing onto hooks and yeah, like a grappling right. hook or a, or a swingy device or whatever. So no, and no cleaning, just became a generic platformer. Yes, wow, exactly. And it absolutely bombed. And it it's often held up as like the pinnacle of don't do this. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of in a bad place with it because I think the skips takeaway from that was that Chibi Robo is not worth dealing with and actually now as far as i understand it skip are a bit on their last legs i don't right. know whether um they even exist anymore i didn't get so far as to find that out but they definitely were talking about shuttering the studio at one point whether that's happened i can't tell you um so and it's a shame then because there's, there's four games in the series and only yes. two of them actually available in there's five in your, in i forgot your, about one and then there's, there's five right there's five games because ziplash was actually the second game to come out on the 3ds the first one was a um a photo game where you walk around the world and you the real world you try and you have to take photo you're tasked with taking photos of certain things like a toilet roll and then you take the photo of that and it it does like augmented reality with it and chibi robo <laughs> will crawl out of it or something like Brilliant. that um and it was that was like a you know one of those uh one two switch style yeah. or wii sports style um, tech demo type games for for the 3ds so so i didn't even think to talk about that because it doesn't rate and ziplash was the last sort of last attempt last hurrah the thing is it's very clear that there is a an appetite for for chibi robo now 
Um, he appeared. He's appeared in multiple Smash Brothers games oh, really? as trophies. He also appeared in um, the Smash Bros. Ultimate, which is the Switch iteration of of the latest Smash Brothers. Um, he appeared as a me costume, so you can right. you can dress up as as different people like Shovel Knight and so we on. We talked about Sans from Undertale. Yes, Sans, Sans is in yeah. is in in this exactly the same way. Right. Chibi Robo rates alongside Sans. That gives you. Uh, an idea of, uh, and people were clamoring for Chibi Robo to be a fully fledged wow. um, character in Smash Brothers, and Skip just don't seem to be picking up on this because they completely abandoned the notion of releasing a Chibi Robo game. And I don't understand how they can't read the room. We've been talking about it in the in the note in the sense of it being this cozy game, like the the quintessential cozy game in some senses. It, it would it would I think if they did as well as they did for Chibi Robo, or presumably as well as they did with the with the unreleased Japanese-only mm-hmm. um, sequel, if they did what they did there, if they were able to capture that and do it now on the Switch, they would be looking an absolute, you know, sales storm. Yeah. I can't see this going wrong. I really can't see this going wrong. They'd obviously need marketing behind it and all of that, but it just feels like the time... Is right for Chibi Robo. My feeling is that they're going to miss it. That you know, like we might see Chibi Robo in two years' time when the Switch Two's just just released, and then they'll get a fraction of the sales yeah. that they would if they did it now. Should we just do a port and put it on the the eShop? Just Job a done. port, just a port of this game, just a port of Chibi Robo would be sensational. So you said that Skip, um, you know, we're in this talking about the situation where they should re-release Chibi Robo for the Switch eShop or or whatever, um. The Ziplash came out 3DS in 2015. What have mm. they done since then? Well, that's the weird thing, to be honest. Like, nothing. It's been eight years, and there's been no sign of Skip, as far as um, I'm aware, anyway. And there's been no... They haven't made any announcements. They haven't done anything to signal that they're actually an existing thing. How weird. And there is, like, this notion that they don't exist anymore, but nobody's actually officially said anything. And you'd think that this would be quite reasonably large news, given that they've got quite a, a close relationship with Nintendo. And yeah, it's it's a very strange situation. They're one of those studios that's just kind of disappeared. Like nobody vanished. goes in, nobody goes out. Exactly, like, like the Wonka, ghost studio, like Charlie Chocolate Factory. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I, all I can hope is that they're putting together some kind of Chibi Robo extravaganza that's going to be the swan song game for the Nintendo Switch that will sell. Let's clutch at those straws, shall we? It's definitely a straw, (laughs) and I'm definitely clutching, yeah. Sorry that I don't have any more clear information. Anything else to say about Shiba Robo? That's it. That's That's everything to say, as far as I know. That's the end. Well, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed our trip down Chibi Robo nostalgia. If you enjoyed, just remember to join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. Yes, please. Thank you for sticking with us till the end. And we will see you again next week for another episode. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.